This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. What's shaking, baby? What's shaking, bacon? Turkey bacon, in my case. I cannot eat pork. It will upset my tongue. Uh, one time we were trying to record an episode and Monica, like an idiot, decided to take a teeny tiny bite of pork, <laughs> even though, and I quote, anytime I eat any amount of pork, I throw up. <laughs> <laughs> and she did it anyway and threw up she did. And was, we couldn't record. <laughs> it was a delicious pizza pie. It was a piece of sausage. With a delicious Italian sausage. So good. So delectable. Was it worth the vomit? Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's surprising. I would guess no. See free PO. <laughs> it was honestly really good. Okay, good. How are you, Monica? I'm doing well. I say this as I as if I didn't see you less than yeah twenty four hours. Yeah, ago. we watched uh uh the second in the National Treasure franchise. franchise yes, 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 uh, correct. It, uh, National Treasure book of book se- of secrets. Secrets. Yeah, secret book. The secret book. The book of secrets. <laughs> A.K.A. Nicholas Cage's diary. <laughs> it is a phenomenal film if you have not if you haven't gotten a chance to watch I it. I just I mean I just love Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, man. I recently watched um Knowing, which is like Yes, the numbers one. The numbers one. Uh, not the numbers one, but the other numbers one. Yeah, not the one that called numbers. Yeah, not the one called numbers. I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Right. But the, but knowing <laughs> is about you know Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage's character, who is a like professor at MIT. <laughs> sure, thinks he's absolutely qualified to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, <laughs> and he like teaches some kind of a weird physics class or like astrophysics class, something sure. about like space and time or numbers or yeah. something. <laughs> and he has a son, and his wife is dead. <laughs> and <laughs> So he has no wife. So he has, he's a widow. Um, Er. He's a widower. (laughs) (laughs) And he, is it widower? Yeah. Remember because in the holiday, Jude Law goes W-I-D-O-W-E-R two years ago. Oh. That's not why, but that, that's how I remember. That's how you know. That's how you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it is, if you're a man, you have been widowered. Okay. Sorry. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Uh, formal apology to all widowers um so he is a widower and he has a son who's like super weird and like there's there's something about like an elementary school with like a time capsule and then they like go into the ground and get the time capsule and like there's like a letter with like a series of numbers in it and like those numbers are basically like the order and like the 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 order and then how many people have died and the like longitude and latitude of like all of the dates ever that a horrible thing has happened to humanity. Jesus. So he can like see the next upcoming ones. Yeah. And they happen. What's the <laughs> point of the movie? So you like, didn't, like, is you didn't he trying to stop it. Is he? Yeah, he's trying to stop it. But like the problem with the movie is that it's inevitable. Right, 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 right. So he's literally like dies at the end and everyone dies at the end because Uh, it's literally inevitable. And like his kid and like the neighbor kid get sucked up into space. Oh, fuck. Because there's aliens. (laughs) Oh, no. Who are the angels who are like trying to save the earth. They're the angels, the alien angels. Yeah. Who are basically like, yeah, so let's keep these two and like the rest die, basically. I hate this movie on principle. This is such an insane movie. (laughs) 
Um, but Nicholas Cage is pretty good in it. Okay, okay. We like him. We'll do an episode on All him this to say. <laughs> yes, I'm Neither well. of these films will be in the episode. <laughs> I know. Neither of these films. But uh, yeah, we're good. Guess what today is? What what is it, Monica? I, I know that you're doing well today, Jessica. And the reason why I know that is because today yes. is our fiftieth episode. It is our fiftieth episode. Uh, <sighs> now, uh fifty does not mean we've been doing this for a year. That's in two weeks. Yeah, that's in two weeks. But <laughs> but, but I think fifty is a fifty is a milestone. 50. 50. Yeah, it is a milestone. It's halfway to a hundred, which is almost two hundred. Which is basically 300. Oh, yeah. Which is nearly 500, which is pretty much 1,000. So which like, is almost 10,000. We've done a lot of episodes, yeah. is what you can say. So just letting you know. <laughs> uh, but thank you for listening for 50 episodes. Yes, thank you so much. And, and if, if this is your first episode, um, keep listening. <laughs> keep listening because we've got a special treat for you today. Who is it, Monica? It's... <laughs> it's... Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, Arnor. Arnor, our favorite Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. I don't know how people have kept listening for 50 episodes. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. What is that from? Uh, it's like the chant that they do at like sports games. Oh, okay. You know how like at sports games, people do chants like, go Rams. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one I thought of. Yeah. It's like that, but Defense. instead it's like, Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. All right. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Monica, tell us about Nicole Kidman. Wait, Jessica, how oh, are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm a little sleepy. Oh. I just haven't been sleeping well lately. And so the last two nights I've finally gotten to like sleep for more than six hours. And that was nice. No. Oh, depression. <laughs> depression depression um uh, yeah but i'm i'm excited because this weekend i'm watching some good movies for oh. uh, for an upcoming person that i'm more excited about oh yeah we're also really excited about too yeah so get uh, stay tuned stay tuned but for now <laughs> monica me. now tells about nicole <laughs> okay okay i'll tell you a little bit about my girl nicole kidman oh kidman i'm so sorry to every australian <laughs> or new zealander because like we don't know how to differentiate between the accents um, Wait, i also I personally also can't do the accent. Jessica can do the accent. I can't do the accent. I can't do an Australian accent. I can do a very slow kind of New Zealand accent. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, Nicole Mary Kidman, AC, is an Australian. What does AC mean? I don't know. It's like Australian of the order of the Australians or something. Oh. You know what I mean? That explains the C. It's like a title. <laughs> it's, it's like a Australian, like. like Australia. Cool. <laughs> What does it mean? Yeah, so it's the Order of Australia. But what does the C mean? I don't know what the C stands oh, for. Oh, God. It's, it's, she, it's Commonwealth like, of Australia. National Honor of the Commonwealth of Australia. So, so AC, so Australian Commonwealth or whatever. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's, she's, she's like, she's a knight. She's Who's a knight. the Queen of Australia? I don't know. Nicole Kidman? <laughs> Weird. Kate right. Blanchett? I, I don't know. The Queen of England. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's the Queen of England. This is history with Monica and Jess. That's our spin-off bug. Yeah. <laughs> it's or oh, no, it's history. 
Okay. So Nicole Mary Kidman AC is an Australian American actress, producer, and singer. Singer. She sings, gives us a little tune. She has received numerous accolades throughout her career, including two Primetime Emmy Awards, five Golden Globe Awards, wow. and an Academy Award from full nominations. Oh, wow. I know. She's a heavily decorated woman. Mm-hmm. She was famously married to famous actor and Scientologist Tom Cruise and wow. is now famously married to famous New Zealand <laughs> Australian stadium country singer Keith Urban. Keith Urban. <laughs> <laughs> Which my whole thing is like we have to pause for a second. I know we've already talked about this, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how is Keith Urban a country singer? He's I, there are a lot of country singers who aren't at all from the country. But then again, <laughs> when I was reading about the movie Australia, they were yes. talking about how it's basically how it's like a western, but it's an Australian western. So yes. I'm like, I guess there are like equivalents, yes, in I, style. I would et call Steve Irwin like a cowboy. Yeah, he's like a cowboy. Yeah, but he just wears like shark teeth around his neck and yeah. shit. Yeah, maybe like a a hang ten cowboy. Yeah, I don't know. like a surf cowboy. Gator. <laughs> Aaron's face. <laughs> what do you not like my surf cowboy idea? <laughs> you lasso waves. You say this, but it's a multi billion dollar idea. Ooh, it's a starfish. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Anyway, on to, continuing on from her famous marriages to famous <laughs> men. Uh, in a 2007 Vanity Fair interview, Kidman revealed that she had been secretly engaged to someone, someone secret, later revealed to have been Lenny fucking Kravitz. <sighs> yep. Prior to her relationship with <laughs> Keith Urban, who she met at Goodbye Life. <laughs> Ah, an event honoring Australians. Wow. <laughs> because Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> but like, okay. Can you believe she was engaged to Lenny Kravitz? Yep. Like, only two years later, be in Big Little Lies with Zoe Kravitz? I know. it's It was her, in theory, stepdaughter. Yes. Yeah. Almost stepdaughter. Yeah. Isn't that insane? She was like... Okay, she was 14 when they got engaged. I know, that's crazy. Like, not not Nicole Kidman. I know. Like, Zoe Kravitz was 14 when her father, Lenny Kravitz, and Nicole Kidman got engaged. And Zoe was living with Lenny at the time. Yes. You know that, too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I mean, pretty cool for Zoe Kravitz, I guess. Nicole seems like a very nice woman. Oh, I'm sure she... I, like, I read in an interview, kind of like going down this rabbit hole of Lenny Kravitz and Nicole Kidman, that like he was asked multiple times in multiple in- interviews of like, so like, is it weird mm-hmm. that like your daughter and Nicole Kidman are, are like on a huge television show together and he's like yeah it's like really nice that like my daughter and nicole can like reunite after all this time <laughs> and it's I mean, like so crazy there's like no hard feelings no i'm sure there's no hard feelings i'm sure it was like you know he's lenny kravitz right like also, everyone's engaged to him can we say like considering how beautiful zoe kravitz is because her parents were lenny kravitz and lisa bonet can you imagine how beautiful nicole kidman and lenny kravitz's child would be oh my like, god it would be like a, like a god oh uh- <laughs> Right? It would come out of the womb just like shining, like Jesus. Just like a Pegasus. <laughs> Pegasus. Pegasus. Rising through the ashes. That's a phoenix. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But anyway, after meeting Keith Urban at Kadayale. Right, right, right. They got married and stuff. You know, it is, it is what it is. But anyway, regardless, 
Beyond all of this, her love life being a small drop in the Aussie bucket. Yes. She's also a philanthropist, a Unifem ambassador. She is here for Australian gay rights. And she's a real-life daddy to four chitlins. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Woo. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's all her, baby. I cannot imagine being the child of Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. I mean, I know they're adopted, which has its whole own well, thing she has to go two, with it. She has, I believe, two adopted Cruise children. Yes, and two biological children two with bio- Keith yes, Urban. Keith Urban. So she has Cruise Control and Urban Nation. <laughs> yes. One of them, I think, was like via surrogate, but yes. Yes. I believe both were via surrogate with, with Keith Urban. No, the the one was successful because there was some shit about like her role. It was, a, oh, her role in Australia. There was like something that happened that was like superstitious. And they were like, like some bad luck will happen after this. And she had one successful pregnancy at that point, And then she couldn't have another one and then had to have surrogacy. Oh, wow. Australia. Yeah. So they were like, mm, bad luck. Good luck from Australia. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay. So we will move into the first Nicole Kidman movie. Are you ready, Monica? I'm ready. Okay. Lay it on me. This movie. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. Iconic. <laughs> Is Eyes Wide Shut. <gasps> Came out in 1999. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Screenplay by Stanley Kubrick and Frederick Raphael. Based on the novella... Traum Novelle by Arthur Schnitzler. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, by the way, Stanley Kubrick's final and final, final film oh, yeah, of his whole sad. final life. Rest in peace. I mean, he didn't even get to see it finished. No, he just literally presented a cut to like Nicole and like the producers yeah. and Tom and then and then like crooked. Like, like I'm six not days like later. I'm not saying it saying it isn't a brilliant movie, Stanley, but like if you had if you like like hadn't extended the shoe by like a million years. Like you might've seen it done yeah. um, when you were alive. And oh my God. <laughs> All the film bros are going to come for you. Get ready to have them knocking at your door. I mean, waving their MacBook airs at you. <laughs> waving their like Stanley Kubrick criterion box set going yeah. like, do you know? With their, the shining shirt under their cashmere sweater. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh God. <laughs> and they all have those round gold wireframe glasses. All, all of them. And they all have like a little wave in their hair. All of them. And they all have like a deteriorating like like arc light pass yes. keychain. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. And they all wear like boots instead of shoes, like yeah. under their pants. Under their pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh we love you home boys <laughs> anyways so this is what the movie is about tell us tell us after dr bill hartford tom cruise after his wife alice played by nicole kidman admits to having sexual fantasies about a man she met bill becomes obsessed with having a sexual encounter he discovers an underground sexual group and attends one of their meetings and quickly discovers that he is in over his head this movie is basically saying like <laughs> if there's a loose thread in your marriage yeah. just just tug at it just and like, just keep pulling at it just rip it the and fuck just apart rip it away from the seam and then like make a giant hole and then just keep digging keep going into the whole goddamn sweater is just yarn <laughs> back to its origins yeah. um i i mean i think the movie as a whole is a lot about like desire and like monogamy and like and jealousy 
Yeah. Yeah. But I, I personally don't think it makes, I mean, it makes strong statements about it, but I don't think it's like trying to convince you of anything. No, personally. I think it's really just an amplification of, of and if anything. Yeah. I think it's just like amplifying small feelings. Right. I think what it is doing is it's like, okay, I, I have a passing thought as a human mm-hmm. being about another human being, but I'm in a committed and monogamous relationship. Correct. Right. I think what it's doing, it's taking that like fleeting thought and then amplifying it times 1000 and going this is your mind on drugs cracks egg into frying pan and also kind of just saying all of the things that i'm sure most people think or feel at some point in their relationship but would like never say like i don't actually think that a lot of the thoughts that specifically nicole kidman because that's she's like the catalyst in a way. Yeah. Um, I don't think a lot of what she reveals to Tom, like it's shocking to hear because you would never think of a wife saying that to her husband. No, but I don't think it's a shocking thing for her to have experienced or thought to begin with. No, just the way that she said it in a brilliantly (laughs) delivered monologue, by the way. This scene alone is like enough. You, you should watch the movie just for this, just for this scene where she's sort of like, okay, Let's set the scene. Let's set the scene. Let's set the tone. Everyone close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Imagine Nicole Kidman in underwear. Oh my God. She's always in her underwear in the movie and I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) She looks fucking amazing. I know. She looks incredible. The first shot of her is a shot of her bare ass. I know. It's insane. It's a shot of her bare ass and then a shot of her sitting on the toilet talking to Tom Cruise and you're just like, cool. So this is where we are. (laughs) So this is her. This This is real. This is me. So- all right, setting the scene. It's Nicole Kidman. It's Tom Cruise as husband and wife. They're sitting in bed. They're smoking pot. And real life husband and wife too. And yes, time. no, but legitimately yes. husband and wife. Yeah. Um, like for real, like famously. Yeah, to, yeah. to famous fame. <laughs> so, two years from divorce. Two years from divorce. <laughs> so genuinely though, they are together and they're smoking weed and she's getting all giggly and weird and mm-hmm. he's like, why are you being so weird? And she's like, well, <laughs> let me tell you this really intense monologue about this intense feeling that I had with this with this fleeting man at a hotel. Well, they start talking about the party they were just at. Yes. And she was like, you, you can be honest about those girls <laughs> that were flirting with you. Like, were you thinking about fucking them? And she says this like insane line where she uses like a baby voice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, like I I didn't think that because I'm with you. And she was like, sure. She was like, you're lying. Sure, she Tom. basically fixates on the fact that he's lying to her. Yeah. Because, you know, any wife wants to hear from her husband, you know, no, of course I didn't think about those women or yeah. whatever the party. I can only think about you, darling. Like <laughs> you every, are the only one, darling. You are the only pearl in my clamshell. <laughs> and so, so like, you know, every every wife wants to hear hear right. that of her husband, or so you would think. But like, she fixates on the fact that he's lying to her, mm-hmm. right? And so, unraveling that fixation of like the lie, she sort of goes into it and pokes and pries, and is like, "Well, let me tell you why you're lying. Mm-hmm. Let me not even give you a chance to admit that you're lying. Let me just straight up tell you why you're lying. Yeah. You're lying because." Everyone has these thoughts and you are sitting there fucking lying to me, telling you, telling me that you don't have these thoughts. Yeah. And let me tell you why I have these thoughts. And the most recent time I've had these thoughts (laughs) and then, yep. (laughs) And then just like digs herself deeper into this hole of like, let me tell you why you're lying because I'm not lying. Yeah. And then like talks about this old Navy, like this Naval officer. Yes. (laughs) 
tell that she literally just looked at. Like, yeah. we're not going so far as to say, and neither is she, that they had any kind of physical relationship. Because yeah, I don't even they think they didn't. like locked eyes or anything. Nothing happened. <laughs> she just looked at this guy yep. and immediately was flooded with all of these like thoughts and emotions and desires. Yeah. And so she expresses all of these things to Tom Cruise's character, Bill. And she's like, I literally would have left everything behind. Like my family, my daughter, like you everything in my life I would have left behind just for one night with this person. Yeah. And so he's coming at it like, whoa, you're high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're never doing drugs again. <laughs> and sort of just fixates on this almost happening, right? Fixates yeah. on this near affair and completely internalizes it. And then we've got the catalyst for the whole movie. Yeah. And it's so... I mean, it's fascinating to watch because she is brilliant. Like, like first of all, the way that she plays a high person is is incredible. I know it's so this like spiraling funny. thought process that she yeah. does, and like the moments where she breaks out into like maniacal laughter, and Tom Cruise is just sitting there staring at her, like, "Are you fucking kidding?" Like me? the Scientologist he is. <laughs> He's just like, "Drugs are bad." <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but she she's just like fucking spiraling, and I think. I think it's like it's it's not shocking because like I said because of what she said but because like these two people are revealing things that like nobody ever really says aloud and they're hinting at a reality that we're all kind of like terrified of encountering in our own relationships Mm -hmm. and I think like both of them know that they are in like a stable marriage that's not something that they're like that they're afraid of they know that they love each other because like they were at that party the night before and they were like with other people but neither of them actually did anything because they are devoted to each other but then she's like yeah i have these fucking fantasies where i was like fucking a naval officer (laughs) while i was laying next to you and it's not because i don't love you but it's because i just wanted to be with him because it's different and it's new and i think we all feel that way in a relationship at some time or another but you don't fucking say it nicole <laughs> yeah, Nicole Kidman. But I'm glad she said it because the scene is fucking brilliant. Yeah. So, and it's so it's so real. So part of what fascinates me about Nicole Kidman, and it and this scene is like the perfect example of it. It's again, she's lying on the floor, she's a high person, and she's like reciting this monologue yeah. that is like giving you the juicy details of her inner of her inner fantasies. So part of part of what amazes me about Nicole Kidman is her ability to like completely focus on the subject at hand and like deliver something that is both inherently unique and also universally relatable. Mm -hmm. Like she's a beautiful woman, right? And you know, you hear a lot of the times like, okay, if you're that beautiful or that perfect, there's nothing funny about that. Right. Or there's nothing like relatable about that. It's like, it's like watching, you know, Malibu Barbie deliver like, some like like it's like watching Malibu Barbie be like Sophie and Sophie's Choice. <laughs> like yeah. it's just it's impossible, right? Or so you think because I think what Nicole Kidman delivers is something that is incredibly refreshing coming out of a stupidly beautiful human being. Yes, and she's able to do it because she's able to connect with whatever story she is telling, right? Whether it's like about motherhood or like being a wife. A lot of her roles throughout like her filmography involve her being a mother. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is her own coming from like her own personal either desire to be a mother if it was like early in her career mm-hmm. or her like current state as being a mother. Yeah. 
she's there's something very maternal and honest about her that i literally cannot quite put my finger on because she's so beautiful i know she is she's she's like porcelain like you look at her face and you're like you have such like gentle features but also they're so angular and pointy but also they're so stunning yes. <laughs> and i'm simply stunned and then when you watch her and tom together it's like because say what you want about tom cruise he's fucking beautiful yeah he may be a scientologist but he's gorgeous yeah especially in 1999 and especially oh, yeah. fucking standing next to nicole kidman making out in front of a mirror and they're both looking at each other in the mirror and like I, this this scene is so amazing because i'm like first of all it's helpful for the story but also like it's two hot people looking in a mirror like about to have sex knowing that they're really hot and it's about like to have sex. narcissism at its peak <laughs> it's incredible it's so powerful like it's so sexually powerful it's it's amazing but despite their beauty like they still have these very complicated feelings about being devoted to each other and they also have insecurities and she's like getting this weird high off of knowing she's making him feel insecure because mm -hmm. like women are so used to being the ones who feel jealous and for 10 seconds she just wants him to like admit that he could be jealous of her and her desires and so I think it's like it's weirdly like she's weirdly vulnerable but also like powerful in that yeah moment. it's so weird watching that like power struggle in yeah. that scene and throughout the whole movie honestly of the power consistently being shifted back and forth mm -hmm. and like you know who's top dog in this scene like you genuinely never know because it literally changes with every sentence yeah yeah it's crazy yeah because i mean she's not like happy that she's hurting him because she's kind of hurting him in that moment but she's like she's happy that he's shocked that she would be voicing this because I don't know, like, I think he's gotten comfortable and, and stopped seeing his wife as someone who has, like, independent sexual feelings, whereas he's a man and he can kind of, like, go off and do whatever he wants as he does in the rest of the fucking movie. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a, a large part of it is, like, well, who, who in Hollywood can sort of, like, have that raw sexual primitive power, yeah. right? and have the upper hand and be breathtakingly beautiful and at the same time be believed as a wife and a mother yeah and a human being yeah. who makes mistakes yeah. right you have to be able to encompass all of these traits and all of these factors into one human being and it's really hard right you yeah. take look at someone like like meryl streep okay right. Even in Death Becomes Her, right? She's <laughs> not like the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Right. She's unconventional. What like a lot of people would call like unconventionally beautiful, right? You know, she's not, she doesn't have like a symmetrical face. Her mm -hmm. features aren't like the most like petite or, or, or angular or model-esque mm -hmm. or whatever the fuck. She, that bitch does not look like Gigi Hadid, basically. No, you're correct about that. She does not. <laughs> So, so I mean, but, to be fair, Gigi Hadid didn't look like Gigi Hadid a few years ago. Amen, girl. Amen. <laughs> she saw Dr. Diamond. <laughs> so, like, my whole thing is, like, you know, in Hollywood, there are women who are relatable, like right. Meryl Streep's of the world. And, and who can, who can quote, unquote, like, deliver. Like, yeah. deliver the raw emotion. Relatable deliver. leading ladies. Yes, relatable <laughs> leading ladies, right? Who can deliver the, the raw 
powerful emotion that you need to make a believable character. Uh And then there are like the Amber Herds of Hollywood who are like gorgeous, but they can't pack that same punch for God knows whatever. Honestly, I don't know why. I genuinely don't know why. I mean, I think some of it is just talent, but. Exactly. I mean, some of it is really just talent. But then you have someone like Nicole Kidman who can pack that punch, who is maternal and like insane and and sexual mm-hmm. and a human and flawed and beautiful and this and that like she is both and everything yeah and it's kind of insane and it's kind of infuriating because <laughs> <laughs> you're just like why why am i not nicole Kidman? you're like well why are you so beautiful mm-hmm. but so talented and so kind because i've never heard anyone say a bad thing I've about never, nicole Kidman. not even her not even her ex-fiance lenny kravitz had anything and fucking to- tom cruise talks shit constantly but i don't think i've ever heard him talk shit about nicole kidman i mean no one really has i just i i don't know what it is and a lot of it like she was trained as an actor right like right. she studied in australia and which by the way she was born in hawaii uh yeah her hawaiian <laughs> name is hokulani she was named after an elephant <laughs> There's a really, really excellent interview, a Graham Norton interview, where he asks her about this and then reveals that the elephant had died. And she's just like, Arnar! Harkulani? Arnar, the elephant is dead. (laughs) All this to say, Nicole Kidman gives a surprisingly raw performance in an otherwise shallow role like yeah she's really, also a small role it's very small she's not like a huge part of this movie this mm-hmm. this is tom cruise's movie really yeah, it really is um and and honestly like the characters that he meets along the way it's like all of their movie and mm-hmm. she's really just the catalyst for the movie's existence yeah yeah but i think because she is like this maternal domestic like She's home base, literally. Yeah, literally. Like when she's wearing her glasses, you know shit's going to get real. (laughs) And so a lot of what you see from her is her just like being at home with her daughter, which doesn't like it doesn't bother me that that's what you see, because it's really revealing about like what that character means to Tom Cruise, to the story. Also, like despite her beauty and her talent and her intelligence, like this is what she prioritizes in life being a mother. But then when you do like actually get to talk to her and you hear about her sexual desires, etc., and then God, that fucking last scene in the toy store, which oh my is brilliant. God. It ends on an erotic note as well. And so you're just like, this woman contains multitudes. She's a, well, no, but, but, but seriously though, Seriously. And even at this time, right? So like late 90s, mm-hmm. very late 90s, the last of the 90s. 1999. 1999, right? <laughs> she was a woman yeah. who you saw the juxtaposition of her milky white body. Yeah. <laughs> completely bare. Mm-hmm. And her being this like very like innately sexual being only in lust, only in frenzy with this naval officer who's fully clothed. <laughs> For yes. whatever reason. Well, because it's about her. Because it's about being pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in his crisp white uniform yep. a whole yep. <laughs> um and so you see the juxtaposition of like those scenes with her, you know, brushing her daughter's hair, mm-hmm. being with her daughter, being in a toy store, being at home, in her glasses, in her pajamas, in her like like just being a wife, being a mother, being an, she's an art curator in this movie. Yeah. Although we don't see a lot of her job. She, well, cause remember she's between jobs. Yeah. She's between jobs. So like, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So 
seeing all of these facets in one woman Mm -hmm. is so incredibly powerful. And I think it can really only be done by someone as talented as, as, as talented and beautiful as Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Who contains those multitudes in real life. Like it really, this movie really was, I mean, other than being psychologically uh, horrifying <laughs> and made a lot of people, I'm sure, just like look at their marriage and be like, are we chill? Do you are have we a okay, desire bro? to go to a fucking sex party? Like, are we what okay? do you want? <laughs> do you want, every time you like go to Party City, you get like the chills. <laughs> You're like, huh, masks. What's happening? <laughs> but um, I really think it made people kind of look at their partners and go like, Mm, yes, you are all of these things and you also have like a very deep sexual side to you, but that doesn't like, that doesn't invalidate the other parts of yourself. And Mm -hmm. it's also not the part that we need to focus on all the time, but we have to remember it like that, like the scene at the end where after everything that has happened, because Tom Cruise has just informed her of this 24 hours that he had that she knew nothing about. She was like sobbing. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, her life in theory was at stake, Mm -hmm. but she didn't know it. And so he tells her all about it. And then they're at the toy store because they have to take their daughter Christmas shopping and she's running around picking out toys and they're just like, the fuck did we just go through? And then Nicole Kidman at the end, she's just like, you know, we have to go do now. Right. And he's like, what? She's like, we have to fuck. And that's where the movie ends. Yes. (laughs) I just think like, I think in a lot of ways, this movie was a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. Especially because of the portrayal of the woman as being this multifaceted being. Yeah. As being both inherently sexual and a mother and a wife and a career woman. Like a, a woman with so much raw power that can be all things. Yeah. That doesn't have to be put into a box. It's like, oh, just because she has sex, she's this person. Or just because she's a wife, she's a prude. Or just because she's a mother, she's a this. Like, there is none of that, mm-hmm. right? And you just see so much scrutiny in Hollywood with, like, women who are mothers who, like, can't be in a bikini because oh, she's a mother. Like, why is she doing that role? Like, yeah. oh, my God, like, she's this. Why is she doing that? It's like, there's so much judgment. But I think even within this small, tiny Stanley Cooper. Kubrick film. <laughs> this tiny independent film this made by <laughs> one of the most what's, prolific. What's his name? <laughs> what's, what's his name? Stan Lee? <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my God, I'd kill myself. <laughs> um, you know, even in, in this movie, sort of like showcasing that, that is, that's what, that, that is the woman. Yeah. It is exciting. And it, it just, it, I fell in love with Nicole. Uh, Nicole, Nicole is like fucking astonishing in this movie you should watch this movie because it's amazing period like it's my favorite kubrick movie oh interesting um (laughs) but uh, i mean i just like how fucking wild it is it's so funny because it's no one else's favorite (laughs) i I don't think that that's true (laughs) i think that that's true it's it was received mixed i would say yeah i mean it got like no nominations for anything despite being amazing despite being incredible and really critically acclaimed. Yes. Yeah. Just it, it, confusing. Confusing to me. Uh, people just didn't get it. They didn't get it. They didn't Whatever. get what Nicole was doing. <laughs> they were just like, oh, it's, I, I mean, honestly, at first glance, it was probably just people being like, mm, it's Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, like fucking in orgies, it's like, which whatever. is what, that's what I thought the movie was before I saw it. Yes. But then you that's see all heard. it, you see it and you're like, no, there's so much more mm-hmm. going on here besides like disgusting masks and like weird shit. Yeah. Weird sex cults. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies and gents, let's talk about the next movie. Yeah. Oh, very different. Let's do a one fucking 80. <laughs> <laughs> if there was something farther than 180. That's it would be this 181, <laughs> but that's closer because then that's 179, you know, negative I mean? 180. You know how circles work? <laughs> no. <laughs>
this one is called The Hours. Oh, yeah. And it came out in 2002. It was directed by Stephen Daldry, screenplay by David Hare, based on the novel The Hours by Michael Cunningham, which now after watching this movie, I really, I really want to read, read it. I really, really want to read it. Because also I've heard, I read that it was written in like the same style that Virginia Woolf writes. Like it's all yeah, stream of consciousness. all stream of consciousness, which like Ugh. I've read Mrs. Dalloway and it's just, this just gave it a whole new spice. I know. This, and I yeah. really want to read this fucking book, The Hours. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. In 1951, Laura Brown, played by Julianne Moore, a pregnant housewife, is planning a party for her husband, but she can't stop reading the novel Mrs. Dalloway. Clarissa Vaughn, played by Meryl Streep, Meryl. a modern <laughs> woman living in present times, is throwing a party for her friend Richard, played brilliantly by Ed Harris, mm -hmm. a famous author dying of AIDS. These two stories are simultaneously linked to the work and life of Virginia Woolf, played by Nicole Kidman, Who's writing Mrs. Dalloway? <sighs> Whoa. Woof, what woof, a film. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> I will go out, you know, right off the bat say this was my favorite of the three films that we watched uh, for this cycle. Yeah. I I mean, I love Eyes Wide Shut, but oh, I've yeah. seen it before. Uh, and I've seen it before, and we've both seen it yeah, a million times. And, but it so watching this, like, I haven't been like surprised by a performance like this in a while i haven't been surprised by performance or honestly a movie like this yeah. in a long time really really sneakily incredible film i like it was a, it's a sleeper hit yeah it's a sleeper i mean hit. it was it like it was huge when it came out i remember when it came out i remember like seeing the advertisements for the hours i think it was like about seven years old yeah um but yeah never paid any attention to it because i was like that's a weird adult movie <laughs> yeah. and now oh my god I mean, like, I guess I, I, I didn't really know too much about the hours. Yeah. So I went into it kind of completely blind, not knowing that it was even like a Virginia Woolf story, mm -hmm. not knowing that it like had three time. Like, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I knew, funny enough, I knew it as like a Meryl Streep movie. Yeah. Because we had considered it for Meryl Streep, I think, at one point. Yeah, I think we at least like talked about it. I don't know. But- I came away from it completely fixated by Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Nicole and Julianne. Meryl's like last on my list in this movie. Yeah, I would say so. I mean- <laughs> Not that she's not amazing. No, but. She's not that she's not amazing, but like she just doesn't pack in the punch that like Julianne yeah. and Nicole specifically pack in for this movie. I mean, uh, uh, let us get Julianne out of the way first. Yeah, she, she's- Okay, Julianne Moore is another one of those people who's like so unconventionally beautiful and you look like like she'll break if you, you like touch her. You want to fucking punch her. <laughs> and in this movie, she's married to John C. Riley, who plays like hey the guys. sweetest baby. <laughs> hey man, it's my birthday. I got you flowers. <laughs> hey, big me cake, yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love John C. Riley. He's I love such him a sweet too. little baby. He's the best. He's the best. <laughs> he's a, a, John C. Riley tangent for a moment. He's also like I think like a sleeper hit of an actor. We're so used oh, yeah. to him being like this like insanely funny like goofy clown. And then you actually look at movies he's been in. And you're like you're in fucking like Boogie Nights. Like yeah, you're, you're like really taller. talented. <laughs> yeah, like bro. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah. Julianne Moore is fucking incredible. Just like. She portrays a depressed housewife in 1951, and it's like one of the most heartbreaking performances I've ever seen. Um, I don't know about you. Monica. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's really difficult to like 
I think growing up in this time, mm-hmm. right, where there's so much, like, not a lot. I mean, I wouldn't consider us to nearly be to the place that we need to be in order for, like, society to really thrive. Sure. But, like, we're, we're at a much more revolutionary time uh-huh. than 1951 California, yeah. right? Like, we are at a place where women albeit are still incredibly scrutinized and judged for literally breathing. (laughs) Um, We have way more freedoms than women had in 1951, right? We can have jobs now that like... (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) We can have like, like, like actual, like jobs besides like being a secretary. You know what I mean? So like, and, and, you know, we don't have to be housewives anymore. Mm -hmm. And there are other ways of raising children without just staring at them for 24 hours a day. (laughs) So Julianne Moore's character, Laura, is sort of like stuck in this, what I call like purgatory. (laughs) Pretty much. Which is like, she is neither here nor there. Right. She is a mother and a wife and that's really it. And she is neither independent nor not independent, nor like self-sufficient. She's like not one or the other. She's like neither thing. She's also not particularly good at either. No, she's not. She's <laughs> and not, they make a point to tell you that. Yeah, she's not a good wife and she's not a good mother. But like, but like 1951 like standards, yeah, right? Yeah, AKA she can't bake a cake. AKA, and also like she doesn't like follow Dr. Spock yeah. religiously. Yes, correct. <laughs> Like there's just this weird purgatory that she exists in. That's mm-hmm. like, I am not good at anything. Yeah. And I also don't, I'm so bored. And not only am I bored, I also have no way to get out of this boredom. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing she can do. And so she sort of like grasps at any idea about trying to escape. Like she's a big escape artist, mm-hmm. I would say, because she, she uses Mrs. Dalloway, the novel, to escape from her fucking life. Yeah. And she also like uses other opportunities throughout the film to try and escape also. Like the surprise uh cameo of Tony Collette. Oh my god, yes. There's a lot there's a lot of uh, a lot of daddies in this movie. A lot of daddies in this movie. Tony Collette is beautiful Tony in Collette. this movie. Jeff Daniels. Ugh. Ed Harris. Ugh. Claire Danes is in this. Ugh. Allison Janney is in it and has like Ugh. one line. I know, literally one line. <laughs> but um all this to say I, Julianne Moore's character is confronted by like Tony Collette's character for mm-hmm. a little bit to be like, oh, you know, I am having women troubles. Yeah. Right. Like I can't conceive a child because there is a growth in my uterus is what Tony Collette's character says to Julianne Moore's char- character. And Julianne Moore's character is like compelled to like lay one on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like kiss her on the mouth just to like. Honestly, I genuinely think it was just to escape something. To feel something. To feel something, <laughs> right? It, I don't think it was inherently sexual in nature. No. I don't think it was I don't think it was because Julianne Moore's character was and or could have been a lesbian or sure. bisexual or pansexual. Like I don't think it really was any of that. I li- I literally believe it was so that she could feel something. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> but anyway, Julianne Moore is brilliant in this movie she's very brilliant and i think like the very magical thing about this movie is how they do time because so you have like meryl streep in modern day who ed harris is like her best friend slash ex-lover and he always calls her mrs dalloway um and she also like has read it before and there are themes that follow mrs dalloway and then you have julianne moore who's reading it and then it all links back to flashbacks or not really flashbacks but just like a different time of nicole kidman being virginia wolf 
as she is writing it. And it's like right when she started to write it, AKA right when she was at like the peak of her mental illness. Yeah. And it's very sad, but also deeply moving. And you have Nicole being like unbelievably transformed just like physically and otherwise she has this prosthetic nose that's like it's insane it's insane what it does for the woman's face it's crazy because i think like you wouldn't think that a nose really does too much right yeah, or like you you think it does something but not as much as it does in this yeah the nose the makeup like the honestly the costuming that mm-hmm. completely like hid any curve that she could have potentially yeah, had at like, that time her posture everything her posture she's like hunched over a little bit mm. her like elbows stick out a little bit it's weird yeah she just looks like a very frail and sad woman yes which virginia wolf was a very frail and sad woman yeah. with a lot of power behind her words i just think that like for nicole kidman's performance i i was so deeply moved and astounded by what that woman could do with virginia wolf's character yeah like even moments where she's just fucking standing there staring into the camera like she would do this thing throughout the whole movie where her head is like always turned down and she's just like looking up into the camera through like squinty eyes and she she has this like weird fucking ability to like she's not like vacating her eyes but she's like staring into nothingness like the nothingness that she herself feels very much inside of her Mm -hmm. and you can tell just through like her looking into the camera how complicated she is and how complicated she knows she is but not even she understands herself entirely (laughs) and so Nicole does an incredible job of presenting us with like this very complicated misunderstood woman who is just trying I mean, I would say she's trying to survive, but she's not even trying that hard to survive. Yeah. It's very it's very odd. She's like existing. Yeah. And she's barely <sighs> even that because she's not even really present. Most yeah. Of the time. It's like she's trying to want to live <laughs> yeah. the whole time. She's trying her best to want to live. Yeah. And her best is unfortunately not good enough for the people around her. Yeah. And neither, honestly, not even for herself. She's like, damn, like this isn't even good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's like, I genuinely don't want this. Like, and not, I don't even think she's like sad about it. No. She's I just, just like, I shouldn't have been on the earth. I think that's really <laughs> a, a big part of it of, of like, man, man, oh man, I literally shouldn't have been born. And I think that that's, that would have been the right thing. Yeah. Instead of all of this suffering. Yeah. Instead of all of this, like, she's like a vacant motel room. Mm -hmm. She's kind of just there and she's sad and she's dingy and she's been used a lot. And, like, no one really cares that deeply for her except for when she's having, like, good days. Mm -hmm. And she she can kind of be a person for other people. And then people are like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, 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 you are the brilliant Virginia Woolf. But then beyond that, it's like she's like a shell of a person that a lot of people honestly walk around eggshells on yeah like i i really sympathize and empathize with her character because i think a lot of the times women typically feel like just fucking vacant or like invisible Mm -hmm. and i think nicole kidman gives this extra depth and flavor of like not only am i vacant and oftentimes invisible i literally shouldn't even have been here and so what do you do with that like how do you how as an actor like what do you do with that notion and how do you portray that how do you how do you reflect that 
and how do you like present that to your audience it's mind fucking yeah and especially because like obviously there's so much written work that exists from virginia wolf not just like her writings but like her letters yeah which, her diaries her letters like shit that she's just wrote for herself yeah and she's very just like I, like despite being mentally ill like mentally ill to the extent of like hearing voices etc hearing voices being institutionalized at that point i think twice yeah yeah. yeah. So like, despite all of this, she has this very like clear and calm voice of just kind of like, this is who I am. There's no pretense to me. My sadness is very much myself, but also like, I literally can't be any other way, which I think is probably something that you can root yourself in as an actor of like, there isn't another option. So like, <laughs> we don't have to worry too much about like the range of this character because there is nothing else. Her yeah. range is like sadness and that's kind, I guess, that's kind of it. I guess varying degrees of sadness. Yeah. And, I guess like varying degrees of sadness and also desire for life. Yeah. Right? Like varying degree, varying degrees of like, well, today my sister and her children came to visit me, so I'm happier right. today. But that, see, it's not even happier. It's like less sad. It's less sad. And it's not even because she gets to see them. It's because she knows that her existence means something to them. And she's happy that she was like, still alive i think not but the thing is i think not even happy it's like she's like less sad or like uh, slightly above neutral yeah yeah that like to your point that someone else needs her or like wants to visit her or like has a desire for her in their life it's very much like i'm i'm slightly pleased that this time when you came to visit i was still alive like and as sad as that is to say it like that that's like kind of what it is i think that's what it is yeah the whole time and this really comes to a head when she has that big scene and it's an amazing scene with her husband leonard at the train station oh my god Um, that fucking scene because he like he basically has her monitored all the time and it's not in like a scary controlling way he just really loves her and doesn't want her to die Mm -hmm. and like that's kind of it and also because she's mentally ill sometimes she has episodes and like runs away Mm -hmm. so he's trying to protect her but they have this conversation about like moving away from i think they're in richmond yeah they're 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 in in richmond at like a country house they Mm -hmm. used to live in london and london is like hours away by train yeah yeah and um but like because the city is like quote-unquote unsafe for her but she's like if I stay here, I'm fucking dying. And if I go to London, I will at least not die now. Yeah. And it's so sad because he loves her so much and he wants her to want to live and she wants to want to live, but it's like, she's not even living when she is alive. And you have, they, you have this moment with them looking at each other and you can see in her eyes, like we both know we're just buying time, but this is at least a solution for a little bit more time for your sake, not even for mine. Yeah. I think a big part of it is like, he's like, well, the doctors know best. Like I know Mm. best, like the people around you know best because like he consistently tells her that she's not in her right mind. Right. Because that's all he knows. That's really all he knows is that she's never really in her right mind. And so other people must make decisions for her. Yeah. And at the train station, it's the, kind of the first time where she's able to stand her ground and be like, I know my own condition. And what my condition is, honestly, mm, like, <laughs> yeah. 
which is so funny because you're like, well, if you know your condition, why don't you know your condition? It's like she knows she doesn't know her condition. She knows that no one will know her condition or at the very least at that point in time with the science and the medicine that they have, no one's going to know exactly what's wrong with her. Even to this day, people look back at her writings and they're like, she could have been bipolar. She could have been this. She could have been that. But like, you'll never really know. And I think she knew that she knew that no one would really know what her condition is, but she only knows how she feels every day. Yeah. And like in her present moment of like existential dread Mm -hmm. being like, well, I know that today I feel this. And the only thing that's going to make me stay at this level of like not being dead is moving back to London. Yeah. And that's kind of that homeboy. Like that's really all that, that, that is because it's like, I want to want to live. Yeah. And I think that should be good enough for you. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yo. Yeah. And you get some, like narration some like voiceover narration through the movie of her reading various letters but particularly her her suicide note to her husband which is fucking heartbreaking oh my god it's like the most brilliantly beautifully heartbreakingly written letter like i don't know how you can say goodbye so beautifully and like it's i don't know how virginia wolf did it like emphasizing that she's not like she's not like glad she's gone but it's like their life together mattered so much and it has nothing to do with like missing him or not wanting to be with him, et cetera. It's just about like, she belongs not here anymore. Yeah. Which is a really weird concept to accept. It's just so weird because we as humans only understand like life and death, Yeah, right? There is being alive and like around another person and then yeah. there's being dead in the ground, not around other people, mm-hmm. right? So like for, for the people around Virginia, um, Nicole Kidman's character, Virginia, it's like mind boggling because the people around her want her, want her around so badly to the point where like, they don't even really care that she's sad. Mm -hmm. They just think like, okay, alive, check. Like alive and around, check. Dead, bad, dead, not good. Alive, check, alive, good. Like for Virginia, it's like, no, alive, not good. <laughs> like, yeah. alive, alive isn't even alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alive isn't even alive. Like, why would you want someone to suffer as she does when she's not even really alive when she's alive? Yeah. It's a mind fucking concept because, as, again, as a human being, it's like there's alive and then there's dead. Yeah. And for her, there's like this existence kind of in between where she's like, I just want the sweet release of death. And no one can understand that. Yeah. And we're also taught that it's really bad to say things along the line of like, well, they're better off like Mm -hmm. that. But like for some people, it's that bad. Yeah. And like, I do believe that Virginia Woolf is like probably happier not living. Alive. And I think for some people that is the case. And for some people, even even physical illnesses, right, Mm -hmm. where they've been fighting their whole lives and they've like hurt and they are literally suffering. Like being alive is probably more painful than being dead where they're like dude let me die yeah and it's just the people around them that are like no 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 you must stay alive because Mm -hmm. there's alive and there is dead and you have to stay alive yeah for us for us it's not even for yourself it's like how funerals are for the people the alive people yeah it's not for for the living it's not for the dead person it's for the alive people yeah this is all to say that like nicole had a huge fucking job of (laughs) embodying like an insane mindset that i would never have yeah. been able to. She, she embodied in 
how long is this movie? It's like only like a 90 minute, two hour movie. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. It's like between 90 she minutes and two hours. She has 28 minutes of screen time. Yes. Okay. In those 28 minutes of screen time, yeah. she embodied everything that Jessica and I just said and more. And in a much more clear and concise and moving way. Yeah. That doesn't have a ton of dialogue. That doesn't have a ton of dialogue <laughs> despite her her entire existence hinging upon language. Yeah. She mostly used body language and emotion Mm -hmm. to convey everything and more. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. It's bizarre. I mean, this is the movie that Nicole got her Oscar for. Rightfully so. Obvs go watch it. Um, It's, uh, it's a fucking, this movie slaps you in the face. It slaps you in the face. It just makes me want to read the book. Yeah. Uh, And let us know what you think of Virginia Woolf. (laughs) I know some people can't handle her writing style. I couldn't when I tried reading in high school. I really loved her writing style in high school. I, I, it just like, because I was a student of like convention. Right. And she's such an unconventional writer in her style. I was just like the fuck she doesn't, she has entire sentences that are like three pages. I know it was really cool because (laughs) I myself am a run on sentencer. Right. So I was like, no, 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 I get it. Like, this is just me. Cool. <laughs> this is real. This is me. I'm Virginia Woolf and we're supposed to be again. And then let the light. Bet you didn't know that song was about Mrs. Dalloway. Mrs. Dalloway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, now we are moving to our last move. The final thing. I would also argue that this was a sleeper hit for me personally. I had seen this movie before. I think I saw it in theaters, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I it was weirdly billed as like a thing, a companion film to like Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Do you remember that? When it yeah. was like kind of billed that way and like advertised that way. I thought it was really weird because I didn't really see the connection other than Dev. Yeah. And India. And yeah, and India. <laughs> so I kind of was like, huh? But that's, that's American marketing for well, you. Well, we digress. digress. Tell us what the movie is. This movie is Lion, which came out in 2016. Uh, it is the directorial debut of Garth Davis, screenplay by Luke Davies, based on the nonfiction book A Long Way From Home by Saru Brierly. Five-year-old Saru gets lost on a train which takes him thousands of miles across India, away from home and family. Saru must learn to survive alone in Calcutta before ultimately being adopted by an Australian couple, played by Nicole Kidman and David Wynnum. 25 years later, armed with only a handful of memories, Saru's, played by, the adult Saru, played by Dev Patel, um... Armed with unwavering determination and a revolutionary technology known as Google Earth, he sets out <laughs> to find his lost family and finally returns to his first home. <gasps> yeah. So this is a big movie. Um, I say it's a sleeper hit for me because this is not a movie I ever cared about seeing at all. It's just not the type of story that interests me. It's for no particular reason. But then like I kept hearing about how amazing Nicole Kidman is in it and like how she's the one who really like brings it home. I mean like Dev Patel's amazing in this movie, but Nicole Kidman he's is He's also like, like swole in this movie. <laughs> he looks fucking good. <laughs> he's beefed. But Nicole Kidman is like is like the maternal heart of this film and I like I expected to be inspired by the movie and like my heart was warmed, but I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm like crying yeah. in my house watching this. Nicole is unbelievably moving, like unsurprisingly, but like 
so so good and really holding her own in a truly larger than life story yeah and the reason why i give nicole major props in this film is because she's doing all of this and tugging at your heartstrings and giving Mm -hmm. a truly honest honest portrayal of like what it means to be a mother like motherhood is not being a birther right it's being someone to someone yes and being a guide a mentor to someone Mm -hmm. it's giving someone clarity where there is none even when you don't have it yourself yeah and she's doing all of this in a truly terrifying wig (laughs) (laughs) truly awful because it's the 80s truly just not great (laughs) it is so curly it is so red there's a lot going on it looks a lot like what i imagine her wig for her upcoming lucille ball performance will look it looks a lot like (laughs) annie's wig in the seminal hit classic movie and annie musical annie (laughs) uh (laughs) but um anyway i like i think her i think the maternal shit in this movie is so incredibly strong because it's about adoption not just like biological birth no and first of all that's something very close to nicole she has two adopted children yes and those were her first children yes obviously and but like obviously she could have biological children same as her character what's her woman's name sue yeah sue (laughs) s-u-e sue sue Briarly. uh yeah much like sue who can have biological children they just wanted to adopt they wanted to help a child who already was alive who was suffering and i think adoption is so beautiful for a lot of reasons but because it is like like mother parenthood is always a choice yeah always yeah i mean even when it's an accident it's a choice well anyway (laughs) let me amend that it should always be a choice Right, right 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 yes it should always be a choice adoption is literally the ultimate parenthood choice yes you can't be a parent to an adopted child without jumping through a million hoops and spending a lot of money which means that adoptive parents are often incredible because they want it so badly and that's so she's like she's this insane mother her and her husband are this insane couple and they're so kind and like understanding of these children who have very complicated pasts and I think a lot of like that scene where they, where she first like meets Saru and she gives him that bath and like, he doesn't speak English and she's looking at him and she's just like, I'm going to know about your past one day. I don't care what it is, but I'm going to be here for you. And so like to be a parent, to be an adoptive parent and to love something that you have just met that much and also to accept everything that they've been through and acknowledge and like validate it. There's a lot, like that's a huge undertaking, I think. As, an, as a person in real life, because this is based off of a real person, but also as an actor. I think as an actor, Nicole Kidman had this superpower going in of like being an adoptive mother herself mm-hmm. and fostering children in that way and understanding that like you will never be the person that birthed this child. Yeah. However, you can be so much more. I think there's this common misconception of like, and you know, going back to the hours, Julianne Moore's character... Um, encounters Tony Collette's character and Tony Collette's character goes you know you are not really a woman unless you're a mother mm-hmm. and I just think that there is such a common misconception that that is true yeah because that is inherently untrue you are not a woman <laughs> if you're a mother and you're not a mother if you're you you don't have to be a, a woman to be a mother and you don't have to yeah. be a mother to be a woman like it's just they are so 
outside of themselves, mm-hmm. it's not even funny. I just feel like Nicole Kidman gives a very specific skill set to this role being an adoptive mother herself and understanding that like you can be the most perfect actor, the most perfect woman in the world, and you can either not be a successful birther, not mm-hmm. be a successful you know, birthing human or choose that that's not really your path. And that doesn't have to be your narrative. Yeah. You can be, if there is a desire to, you can be a successful mother or sort of like bestow education and bestow love and bestow nurturing onto someone who doesn't necessarily have to come out of your body. I think that's really powerful, especially because with this character specifically in this movie, there's like an unwavering nakedness about mm-hmm. the way that she moves about the world. She's like one and she is whole, right? I think with a lot of characters in, in movies and just TV movies, books, whatever, there's always this like broken human or this like unfinished human. Yeah. And I see Sue's characters being completely whole. Totally. And that's really hard to pull off. But Nicole Kidman did an incredible job of just being like steadfast and completely naked and honest. Mm -hmm. And like, this is me. Yeah. And that's you. And we can be something beautiful together, knowing that we are not attached to each other. Yeah. And that is okay. Yeah. It is crazy shit. Especially because they don't just adopt one child. They adopt two. Yes. So like not only am I whole and complete like on my own, but then I'm also like me and my husband are whole and complete as a family, just ourselves without children. Mm -hmm. But we're going to decide to adopt this child who has their own like history, their own set of baggage that inevitably comes with anybody, but especially someone who has been through like put up for adoption. And then it goes wonderfully with the first child for several years. And then they decide to adopt another child who it doesn't go so as well for, yeah. nearly as well for. And yet they still like commit to it and like lock down this fucking amazing family unit so that when Dev Patel's character years later decides to like look for his his home, not even just his family, he just wants to know where the fuck he's from. Yeah, because w- you know where you're from is such a powerful thing. Exactly, he wants to know that, and he's so afraid for a while of telling his mom that he's doing this, and then finally he does, and she's just like, "How could you think that I wouldn't be supportive of this? Like I have always said that I support." your history because it's how you were brought to me Mm -hmm. like and I'm forever thankful for that journey and so it's so it's really really beautiful getting to see her play like this very like steadfast maternal force through the whole movie like she's unwavering she's like nothing can push or pull her and again I think that comes from being completely whole Mm -hmm. because you are not holding on to someone else to make you whole she's not holding on to either of her two sons to make her whole that's why when dev patel's character finally is like yeah bro like i i'm doing this via google earth and i didn't want to tell you because i didn't want to hurt your feelings that's why she reacts in the way that she does because she's not going to be like oh my god you don't love me yeah she's literally like okay, cool. Like, how can I help? Is there something I can do? Like, why are, why on earth are you doing this alone? Like, I've always wanted you to tell me everything about you. I want to know you because I know me and I'm cool. Like I'm cool with myself. (laughs) I'm a cool chick. I'm a cool bitch. (laughs) 
I'm cool with myself, but like, what about you? Right. And I think that only comes with being a whole human of like not needing the other person to validate you and vice versa, but still appreciating the validation and being like, I'm happy that you told me because he could have literally just upped and fucking left. Yeah. I mean, well, there was the period of time where like he wasn't really talking to his mom specifically because he was so in deep with this thing and he was going through like his own mental health stuff because he was so like obsessed with with this google earth endeavor and so his mom was like really not doing well health wise because he had pulled away so much and like i think the thing that she as a character prides herself on is this trust she has with her children specifically with dev patel Mm -hmm. as her son um because the other one is a whole other a whole other enchilada. That's a whole other thing. But she really prides herself on this trusting relationship. And she's like, I know you have your own shit going on, but at the bare minimum, we have this very tight knit trusting relationship. And I've always been there for you. And for you to doubt that, that literally affects my well-being and my health. And And unfortunately, that's how it is with parents and children. But like, it shows that even even with adoption, like you can form that crazy link with somebody. And I think that's really, really beautiful. I think there's the crazy link, but then I think that there's also the understanding and respect of like, you are a human being and mm-hmm. I'm a human being. Yeah. And just be, and, and you know, I, I always hear about the phrase, like you are my life that mm-hmm. a lot of like mothers give to their children. And I think that's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think, I think you are a part of my life. Like, I think that, I think with a lot of mothers and again, I will never understand and you'll never understand, at least like not right now that because we don't have children, right. I have a plant that I'm slowly killing and that I gave you and that, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> but like, I just think like with this movie specifically, it just goes to show you like you can be a part of someone's life mm-hmm. as a parent and a child, but I don't think you are entirely their life because if that was true, then anytime you like hurt yourself, the mother would also be hurt yeah. and vice versa. Like if you stubbed your toe, the mom would probably feel it. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there are some very selfless relationships like that. I'm sure. Like there really are parents who are like, you're my life and it's fucking true. Yeah. (laughs) And it's absolutely true. And then, you know, there's like the full pendulum swing of that turning into like a, a whole toxic thing. Yeah. A whole like codependency thing. But I think in this movie, it's a really, really wonderful balance. Yes, I agree. Which all my whole point sort of like to circle back around is I think this movie rings true to itself in that it takes all of the good parts of all of these different these different parenting cliches and parenting styles and like adoption stories Mm -hmm. and turns it into this like beautiful little package of a film starring Dev Patel Nicole Kidman that really tugs at your heartstrings even if you're not an adoptive an adopted child or even if you don't know an adoption story yeah or you don't really understand the intricacies of parenthood or you don't really get the intricacies of motherhood or like what it means to be a mother i think this is a universally moving story mm-hmm. that i really fucking enjoyed it was really really beautiful and i mean we've said it a couple times during this like nicole is so maternal for whatever reason i mean she is a mom but like despite being stunning you immediately get like you're such a good person you're Just such makes a good mom so <laughs> Like, even before she was a mom, you're like, you're a nice mom. It just makes me so angry. <laughs> and this is like the ultimate culmination of that because it's all of her real experiences and it's in fucking Australia. Like, she gets to do all, she gets to play this very realistic part for herself and in her native, like, dialect. Yeah. 
She's Australian. <laughs> this is a Tasmanian dialect, I guess, but like still, still. in Australia. Yeah, which I've learned that there, that there are like different dialects of Australia. Yeah. Um, and like you can have like a more posh Australian accent, which is like closer to like a British accent. Yeah, like a Kate Blanchett. Yeah, like a Kate Blanchett, who, by the way, is Australian. <laughs> Uh, and you know you can have like the Steve Irwin accent that's like yeah. the broad Steve Australian Irwin. accent that's like really like just really Australian <laughs> and then there's like the general Australian accent which is like Hugh Jackman's accent right. which is just like general flavor of Australian <laughs> general Aussie flavor exactly and then there's like all these like mini dialects in between yeah between, it's like America between regions I mean it's like stuff. literally any country it's like anyway. literally America <laughs> so Australia is America so yeah exactly <laughs> uh, well I guess that was Nicole man that was Nicole Kidman this was a surprisingly moving episode yeah it really was I I mean as with a lot of the people we research for these movies, I just now want to go watch everything else that she's been in that I haven't seen. Dude, me too. Because we pulled up so many movies where like, apparently she's incredible in this, but I've never fucking heard of this movie. Yeah, man. So. I don't even know. I, I'm I'm utterly grateful that I got to watch specifically the hours for this movie. Same. Or for this episode. I Same. think that was 10 out of 10. A gift. A gift, truly. A gift from Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. All right, Monica. What have you dabbled in? I have been dabbling in some sweet vacation planning. As... To you, the listener, as you are hearing this through your sweet, sweet ear holes, I <laughs> will be in Hawaii. Hawaii? I will be on Maui. I will be drinking pina coladas and reading on my Kindle. Beach reads. On my Kindle Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoying my life. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I am so excited. It's my first venture out wow. on a vacation this entire pandemic. That's so exciting. Um, I'm a little nervous. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would be too, but um, I think you'll, I think you'll be good. I'm a little nervous, but I'm fully vaccinated, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm truly worried, but <laughs> it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Jessica. Yeah. What have you dabbled in? I mean, you know, my life is incredibly boring, Monica. I agree. Uh, <laughs> Everything has been the same. I mean, other than the fact that I'm looking at applying to grad school. So yeah, yeah. I, what is your take on grad school? Like in, as a thing? Yeah. As like a concept. I mean, I think, I think if we're um, operating under the system, which we are <laughs> of like, go to school to get education, to like certify yourself in various things, which means you can therefore do the job. I think like grad school is useful. To be like, I extra can do this job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Extra. Because <laughs> it's extra. It's like, like, I mean, you're certifying, you know, various skills for a position. So I think it's like helpful. I do. I mean, I know a lot of people like our age are going to grad school right now slash enrolled during the pandemic because it was a time of like, well, what the fuck else am I going to do? Amen. And everyone rethought everything, which is kind of, I mean, the pandemic definitely made me start thinking about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life more seriously. And that's why I'm taking the plunge. But um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like a symptom necessarily of being bored. Like I know it has been for some people. Yeah, I uh, have never thought about going to grad school. I didn't either. Um, <laughs> I just have to. <laughs> and I totally get, I think with some professions, you absolutely must go to grad school because it's like a, it's a requirement of that profession, right? Correct. I would not want a doctor who just taught themselves. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think for like more artistic things, it's not, not that necessary. I don't think you should. The thing is, is like, I do think there should be institutions of learning to, for you to like go and refine your craft if you want to. Like, I think that's amazing. And to have it like at the caliber that a lot of universities offer. But like, I don't think you should need a fucking degree a lot of the time to I do things. Agree. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would love in like 50 years to see a completely revamped American education system. Yeah, I, I want to see it all completely free and I don't want to see any general education requirements because I think that a lot of times that's where people's money goes to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You pay for literally two years, undergraduate, obviously, two years of general education requirements. And then you pay for two years of like the real shit that you want, that you like went to the school to learn. Correct. So it's like a whole thing of like, well, why can't they just do the- Don't, uh, they, don't they not have gen eds? anywhere else in the world yeah exactly you literally just pick your major in high school and then yeah. you go do the do the school at the school that teaches the thing that you actually want to learn yeah and, and then there's not very much homework you just write a thesis yeah you literally just write like a th you like Ugh. learn and then you like write the thesis it's mm -hmm. confusing so i yeah. personally i'd love to see the american american education system completely revamped in like hopefully yeah. less than 50 years but I'm I mean, not very Fortunately, it's not going to happen before I go to grad school. Yeah, I was going to so. say, unfortunately, it's not going to happen now, but yeah. I'm happy. But I mean, for I you. will, I should get a further education for this thing I yes, want to for do. Yes, so. for, for this thing that you yeah. want to do, I would probably question you if you decided to just do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just Google it. I think one, I think it'd be illegal, one, and two, I don't think Correct. anyone would, would partake in your service. I don't I know. Think. I'm pretty good at giving advice. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Monica. <laughs> you can uh, give advice on Criterion Collections and that's it. Not, not even. Not uh, even. Other things. Not that. <laughs> okay. We have a question. Yes. That is from Aaron. Aaron, <laughs> our sound guy. Our sound man, my friend, Monica's husband. He asked us a question because, because this is our 50th episode. We wanted a, you know, 50, 50 themed. 50 episodes, 50 years. We just did 50. one episode a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the question is, since this is your 50th episode, if the next 50 times you watched a movie and it had to be the same movie, what would it be? So it's kind of, it's kind of a tie, but I, I'm leaning more towards, I'll, I'll do my, my top one last. So like, I do think I could watch like The Holiday 50 times. Oh, I feel like everyone can watch The Holiday. And have a great times. fucking time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I have. <laughs> but 50 times in a row, I mean, I could probably still enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, my other one is maybe Clue. Oh, I, it's just so that's good. A good pick. That's it a good pick. It never gets old. But I think my ultimate is Best in Show. Oh, I've wow. watched that movie so many times, in a row. specifically in the last year. And it's, I, I love it as much, if not more, every time I see it. <laughs> That's, okay, I have two and they're both wildly different and I would only do it for different reasons. That's okay. So if I had to pick one, uh -huh. I would probably pick 
like easily digestible sex in the city Amazing. i could watch that 50 times in a row it's a problematic movie and it's not very good but <laughs> it brings me joy but it's fun it's shockingly long. it's shockingly long and it's fun and it's very i think very well paced mm-hmm. and i think if like you had to watch 50 movies or 50 if you have to watch it like 50 times in a row sure i think i could do that because i kind of already do watch it like 50 times in a row. right so it's very doable <laughs> and then i think the other movie that i would definitely watch like if i had to choose one and i was like well i just want a movie that makes me like think and like if i watch it different if I watched it 50 times in a row, I feel like I could get something new out of it each time. Right. Mm-hmm. I would probably pick Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Interesting. Um, it was kind of in my mind between that and like the Truman Show. Mm. Um, surprisingly, both starring Jim Carrey. <laughs> you just love Jim Carrey. I do love Jim Carrey. But I think the reason being is every time I watch that movie, I gain something new from it. Mm-hmm. Or like I kind of think about it in a, in a different way. Or it makes me think about other things other like existentially things. Mm-hmm. So I think I could watch that and gain some new perspective from it like each time. Right. And I think that that would be fine to watch 50 times in a row because I feel like I'd be watching like a new movie each time. Okay. And again, the runner up was like, I guess the Truman Show for right. the same reason. Okay. Yeah. Also, I love Charlie, Charlie Kaufman. Charlie. And that's my answer. Thank Wonderful. you. Wonderful. All righty then. We'll be watching, <laughs> you'll be watching the holiday from now on <laughs> and i'll be watching either sex in the city i mean i have three <laughs> options or eternal no but i've chosen the oh, holiday okay, for okay. you okay which one would you choose for me yeah probably sex in the city okay so, i feel like you'd be more fun to be around yeah. after you i was gonna say i'll get into times. one of my like existential philosophical moods and i'll be like what is life yeah if i just exactly i would, I would just turn into like a philosophy student <laughs> It would be so sad. We don't want that. I'd only wear sweaters and like smoke out of a pipe. Is that not what you do already? Quiet you. (laughs) Well, as always, Jordan Suicide Fevro. Goodbye, Monica. Goodbye, Jessica. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi.